0: This podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's pretty clear that almost everyone today has been feeling some level of emotional and psychological impairment due to the COVID pandemic. We've entered a mental health epidemic that's likely to endure over the coming years. So, what are we going to do about it? Well, we can't really rely on our friends or family because maybe some of us aren't that lucky. And even if we do, they're probably not qualified to help us the same way that a trained therapist could, which brings me to my point. Seeking the help of a professional therapist is an effective way to deal with the mental emotional cloud that COVID has created. Better help offers licensed professional counselors who are trained to listen and to help talk with a counselor in a private online environment on your own terms from wherever you'd like. BetterHelp counselors are experts in a wide variety of topics like self-esteem, depression, anxiety, loss, and BetterHelp can get you access to help that otherwise may not have been possible in your area. So simply go now to fill out a quick questionnaire to assess your specific needs and to get matched with your perfect counselor in under 48 hours. Join over 1 million other BetterHelp users that are taking back control of their mental health with the help of experienced BetterHelp counselors. If for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional cost. BetterHelp is an affordable option for mental health counseling. And as an Unleashed Love listener, you get 10% off your first month with our discount code, UNLEASH. Get BetterHelp today at betterhelp.com forward slash unleash. That's BetterHelp, forward slash unleash. Start talking with a therapist online and get BetterHelp. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unleash Love. This is Clément Young, I'm your host. And in this episode, we're talking with Nikki Headstrom, who is the author of the amazing kids book, A Thought is a Thought. It teaches kids how to identify what emotions are and how to deal with them. Nikki's a first-time author from Vancouver in Canada, and she has a passion for helping people and creating change. She's been working in the advertising industry for the last 15 years, creating immersive brand experiences, and has since leveraged her skills to create a discussion around thoughts and feelings and to create tangible activities that help households reduce anxiety. Her methodology and concepts stem from the work of Eckhart Tolle, Brené Brown, Don Miguel Ruiz, Maya Angelou, and many others whose missional work it is to reduce human suffering caused by our thoughts. This conversation is full of valuable wisdom and nuggets. We talk about many different topics within the realm of mental health and i really am excited for you to go in and grab as much value as you can from it if you do like this episode please do leave us a rating and review on the apple podcast platform because every single one we get helps us reach a wider audience so i won't hold you back any further jump right in and let us know what you think good to have you on the show and it's nice to Finally, get to talk to someone about like I suppose, you know, kids and kids' well-being and kids' mental health. Um, and it's funny because neither of us are parents, but we're very concerned about it and we're very interested in it. Why are you actually just out of curiosity? What what's the draw? Like, where's the passion coming from? Because not being a parent, you would think, okay.
1: Yeah, um, I mean. For me, that really comes from the fact that it's a very personal journey that I've had. So I grew up as an anxious child and I've done years of work and I've spent a lot of time finding different tools that I find help me with my anxiety. And all I could think is that if I could save, like I have three beautiful nieces I have friends who have beautiful children, if I could just help any of them better manage any anxiety that they're feeling to sort of shortcut that. How wonderful would that be? And so I just—I it, it's one of those things where I believe in doing stuff that helps helps yourself, but also can help others. Is probably one of the most meaningful things you can do in your life, right? So I'm yeah. like, it has deep meaning to me. It's something that when I practice it and I keep it top of mind, I'm living my best self. And if I can encourage and get parents and kids to do the same thing, I'm like, I just—I think we can change the world as far as the way we think. And so, I—I I truly believe that. Um, it's, it's a progress, like it's a progression. I think when I was a kid, there wasn't much in the way of talking about emotions or the way that thoughts impact our sort of feelings and behaviors. And so I just think if we could teach kids at a young age the same, to understand it the same way that we do, like a triangle has three sides, that thoughts are just thoughts. Um, we could really shift how much suffering there is, unnecessary suffering I'll say, cause there's so much worry and so much anxiety in the world that's just not needed. And so that was a big driver for me to want to create this book that would help um, young ones. And I just, I always talk about it as a, a household, because I think when you think about anxiety, when parents have anxiety, that trickles, like kids can feel that they sense the, they're feeling and sensing beings, right? We all are. So when somebody else is anxious, we talk about how that's contagious. And on the same side of that, calmness is contagious. And so the book is really about reminding us to So I have this line, I can learn to be still and be present at well. My worries will shrink. I'll just stop and think. A thought is a thought. It's not me. It's just not. And so there's just so much truth to that, that like, we just need to remember when we're feeling overwhelmed to like, take Mm. a deep breath, calm Mm -hmm. the nervous system, be present, get grounded. And all of that, those racing thoughts really do slow down. And so I just feel like I've had to learn it through a lot of working through meditation and the hard way, I keep saying sort of like the ongoing battle to get there, but there's so many things that we learned as kids that just stuck with us. And so my goal is by teaching this lesson at a younger age, that it just sticks with them and that they can bypass that.
0: Yeah. You know, you're bringing up a subject of the kind of culture we have of not changing our kind of structure of our educational system. <clears throat> for whatever reason, there may be loads of really good reasons why we haven't done that yet, but not really familiar with them. And I don't really, I don't really understand why it's so difficult to address uh, something that is essentially the foundation of everything that comes after it. Like when you think about mental health, I mean you might, you'll be forgiven for thinking it's something that happens that you need to deal with later on in life. But the more and more I investigate it and I talk to people, it starts at the very beginning. It starts during childhood, during the developmental years when we're just trying to figure out who we are and what life is all about. And uh, I'm not sure if it was you that told me this or if it was someone else because I've been speaking with quite a few experts in this area lately. Um, But the thing that I remember uh, quite vividly now is that someone told me that we our brains don't stop developing until we're about twenty five or twenty six, and once that's happened, we are a m- much more complex uh, organism. We have a, a much more complex uh, way of understanding things, and so we can kind of look at nuances of communication. And but until then, especially v- very early on, um we rely on language because language is very direct and very easy to understand. And so, you know, we need to be really careful about the things that we say around young people. Otherwise it really helps them to build maybe the wrong idea of who they are and their identity. And I suffered from that. And I think you might've suffered from that. And other people have suffered from that, especially people who have like chronic anxiety because I think it's stemming from you know the things that we learned when we were younger. Maybe, perhaps, uh, one of our parents said something like, "Oh, you'll never amount to much," or "You're such a nuisance," or you know, th- those kinds of things. And yeah, it might seem it yeah, might seem harmless, but it's not.
1: And You're absolutely right. And I think um, as a child, it can be hundreds of positive statements, and one teacher or um, one, per- and, you know, one voice can really. Sharpen, sharply damage that self-esteem, and so uh, I know when we talked last, I mentioned that for me it was important. Um, in the book, I talk about having positive affirmations, and I have I am statements. And I know we were chatting, and to me, I'm like, I really want to try to instill some of that confidence intrinsically. So, how do they have that self-awareness and self-confidence, um, so that when they hear things, you know, if a teacher says they're they're stupid, that which is awful and I hope never happens. But you know, there are times where they come again, come up against this type of bullying and these types of statements that can stick. And like you said, they become a story that re- repeated over and over again. And so um with the positive affirmations, I just really wanted kids to start to think about those positive I am statements. I am smart, I am kind, I am brave, so that um they have some of that resilience when they hear statements that just don't feel like they align with what they truly believe as. Who they are, and so I know a lot when I was growing up, and I'm sure when you were growing up. And is it is awesome to get praise? I think it's fantastic, and I obviously encourage like encouraging your child. But there's a lot of value in helping them um, see their value from their own lens. And so I think Mm. just trying to shift that from having this feeling that you need to have exterior feedback that makes you feel better versus having this sort of confidence that's coming from the inside out, I think helps us build resilience so that like I said we can sort of brush off those negative statements when we hear them because we just know they're not true
0: yes and by the way I was joking that um it does happen when teachers or people when you're (laughs) people who are supposed to take care of you and guide you and they do kind of I had some terrible teachers when I was growing up I don't know about you but (laughs) they were just genuinely really unhappy with their job you could tell um And and but you know, such as life, I guess, I think uh, you're always going to have that, especially in the system that we have today. But it's a question of how much exposure are we really giving our children to the stuff that matters the most Uh, and books like yours, which is why I wanted to talk to you are seem to be a really essential part of that mix so. um, But. You know, when it comes to like, I I actually um, I wanted to ask you something. Um, How was how was your childhood growing up, and are there things that you look back at now when you kind of think that were maybe inspiring to you to actually do something like this? Is that was that one of the driving forces?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I was always a super creative child. I think that that has come through in my career. So I work in marketing. My like air quote day job, because I also love the idea. I want to say like, I'm a writer, I'm a slash marketer slash, you know, like we can be so many things. We don't need to be all one thing. And so, um, but I will say that I have been creative from a young age and expression has been important to me my whole life. And so what I, I have made a career out of is um, creating meaningful dialogues through brand engagement. And so to me, when I hear complex concepts and I try to think about how we can visualize them or how can we make something tangible, in particular, this big big idea of introducing kids that basically thoughts are things, um, and that there's the opportunity for us to get curious and look at thoughts almost like you would hold an object in your hand. Like how do you how do you create that space to recognize that a thought can be looked at as separate to you? Because I know when I was growing up, it just felt like you know thoughts are just happening, hundreds and thousands of thoughts a day, and you're just sort of letting them wash you over. And and yes, I know parents can intervene and say like, okay, you know, like you're worrying too much about that. But I'm like, how do you um, let kids understand from their own perspective that they need to observe and get curious about thoughts that they're having? And so, I really just wanted to to help empower them to be able to do that. And so when they do have a negative thought, one that's not very helpful that they have some tools to be able to start to get curious about that. And so in the book, um, a big one that I wanted to include because this idea that thoughts are things I'm like, that's a great concept, but how do you ground it into to something practical? Because um, the, the re- main refrain in the book is a thought of a thought. It's not me. It's just not, which is about, again, like I said, recognizing that when thoughts come in, you, you shouldn't, it just accept them as face value and let them um, sort of observe on, fall into your heart. If for example, a teacher says that you're not very smart, like you don't want that to be, you want to filter. You want to be able to say, I hear that. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. agree with that. I'm going to think about this a different way. And so, um, I just want them to be able to have that skill set. And so just by starting to recognize that like basically thoughts are just thoughts, they aren't who you are was the main message I wanted to get across. But then I was like, well, how, how do I make that helpful? And so I included a thought exercise in the book. um, which I think these questions are good. And I, I will say I use them because they're good at any age to remember. Um, the first one is what is the thought that you're having? So just like taking a moment to even just look at the thought, right? Take a, Think about what you're thinking about. Um, what how, how does the thought make you feel? And so I think that's something, again, when we were young, there wasn't a lot of talk about combining or like talking about like, how does that thought connecting your body? Like what emotions is that bringing up for you? We just weren't talking about those types of layers of the complexity of thinking and emotions and, and thoughts. And so I wanted to help connect that human connection piece to being like, how do I feel in my body? Um, what is the emotion that's connected to this thought? And then the third question is, do you know if that thought is true? And now this is the one where I really think we can get that shifting because if there's any introduction of any other way that we can not 100% know that that thought's true. Like Maybe we really think it is, but if we can just think maybe there's like a 1% chance that thought's not true, then we open up the door to more possibilities of how we can look at that thought. And so the the last question I have, which is this is where we really want to do that shifting, is if you could choose another thought, one that might make you feel better, what would it be? So I want to put this a bit into some tangible examples because I know it's, again, it's a big concept. And so Perhaps a kid um, has a thought. You know, he they waved at their friend across the playground. The playground kid didn't wave back. Their thought is, "My friend doesn't like me." And so, how does that thought make you feel? Well, it makes you feel pretty bad. You're feeling sad. Maybe you're, you know, maybe your body is feeling like maybe maybe you're teary, teary. Maybe you're having a functional body response to that thought that my friend doesn't like me. So, how do you know if that thought is true? So. I don't know. So you start asking them, like, how do you know that's true? Well, they didn't wave. Well, is there any other possible like, thought that could be true or possible in this scenario? And so that might mean something as simple as they didn't see me. And when you think about the difference of they don't like me and they didn't see me, there is a very different energy to that. those two phrases. When your friend doesn't see you, that doesn't hurt your heart the way that thinking that they don't like you does. And so what I want to do is just encourage them to be able to sort of identify that maybe there's another reason for this. And I, again, will go back to the fact that as even as an adult, there's so much power in recognizing that maybe the thought you're having about any situation, that there's another way to look at it. And most importantly, just have the conversation with the person that you're having this concern with. So if the kid were to rather go over and talk to the friend, they'll know whether that initial thought was true or perhaps the friend's like, hey, you know, it's so great to see you. So I just really want kids to, to learn to, to not get into that. I sort of think of it as this downward spiral of negative thoughts where they don't like me and they're, I bet that other guy doesn't like me and like no one likes me and I just am not smart. Like, So you get in this whole pool of negative thoughts and I want them to get in the point where they can stop it and look at it and get curious and come up with another option. And and the book is meant to be read um, with an adult, um, somebody who can help sort of coach through this situation. But again, I'll just say like, as an adult, I think every day we probably have situations where we can jump to conclusions a little too quickly and that we need Mm -hmm. to remind ourselves to be like, you don't actually have all the facts about this. And Mm -hmm. why create this suffering when you can just go talk to the person, You can choose a more positive thought and sort of move past it. There's a lot of different ways we can do it. So that was the big um, part for me, wanting to make it a little bit more tangible, um, more practical so that kids can actually start to adopt the thinking and the the methods.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely... When, it's, when you're talking about kids, I think things need to be practical because otherwise, you know, the retention, the, the understanding is not even going to be that the comprehension, right? I mean, they have to physically do what they're learning. Otherwise, they they can't conceptualize it maybe as well as we can. Um, but, you know, when I was reading the book, because I was, you know, checking it out and um, thank you for sending it to me, by the way. Uh, I really like it. Did you design that?
1: Um, I worked with a graphic designer. So Daniel Paul is my illustrator, he's incredible. Um, We did all the illustrations during COVID, during the pandemic, everything was done virtually, but um, I created a lot of mood boards and you know chose colors that I felt aligned with what I wanted to see. So we worked very closely on what the visuals would be, but he's fantastic and I'm so happy I got to work with him.
0: It's really nice. It's a nice uh, graphical representation and it's so easy to read and the, well, obviously the words are the most important. So congratulations on that. Cause it's fantastic. It's very easy to remember and it's rhyming. I think that was obviously a, something you did on purpose. It's just really good. A thought is a thought, it's not me. It's just not, it's really good. Uh, the way that you put these across to the children uh, it, it's gonna have a big impact on them, I'm sure. Um, but I was reading it and I was thinking to myself We need this, adults need this book as well. I mean, really, you know, uh, uh, we have so much trouble um, recognizing even the simplest things when it comes to our mental health and awareness of that mental health and awareness of how we actually think on a daily basis and how to, you know, weigh those thoughts because we take things so seriously. Look at what's happening now in society with the division and the you know the the all of the political challenges that we have we can't even agree on anything and it's all mm-hmm. thoughts everything about that is just an idea in our heads that's just uh you know like a virus spreading so i was just kind of laughing inside about how appropriate this children's book is for a lot of adults including you know maybe myself <laughs> yeah
1: Yeah. I mean, I hear from pretty much every adult that buys it. They're like, I need this book. I'm like, we, we do. I think if we could all be conscious when we get those like creeping thoughts in just to pause and look at it and question whether or not we're right. Like I think of how many, how many arguments have we gotten into just because we let ourselves wind ourselves up, right? You jump to like a million conclusions that aren't helpful, and then by the time you actually get into the conversation with the person like you're you've already created this huge back story um and I think you you were referencing this but some of these stories we're carrying with us from past relationships from childhood wounds like there's different places that they're coming up um and so i just was like if we can just be present and Talk to each other in the moment and not be thinking and racing back to scenarios in the past so that we can prove our point. You know, just actually trying to create connection. Mm-hmm. How much different would our world be if we weren't trying to play this, um, this battle game where we want to win? And like for us to win, I think we just need to, to be present and kind to each other. Yeah. Um, so my goal is that just again, like the people just are more mindful about not letting all that stuff in the past or all of our worry about the future upset um, and and create like a toxic mind where if we can just be in the moment and be present, that we can have such more productive conversations. And I know um, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle's work, but he's got the power Mm -hmm. of now. And one of the ones that really stands out to me where he talks about the concept of worry is that it's i mean worry is a big one for me because i grew up with a lot of anxiety and i can overthink trust me and i have to really actively try not to and i'm i'm fully aware that i sometimes get lost in that rabbit hole so this is part this book like i said is written for me to help myself but also to hope to help many other people who could be falling into the same trap but i just think that there's so much power in recognizing that when you really think about something you're worrying about that if you break it down it's probably something in the future that isn't in this exact moment. So it's so common that like in this exact moment, I have nothing to worry about. So why do we let ourselves ruin like the one life that we have, the only moment that we have, which is right now, by trying to predict where I will also say like, how many times are you actually right in the, times that you've tried to predict what's going to happen in the future and so it's just a lot of energy that's spent towards something that very rarely gives you those gains and I will say that there are times where we need to put pen to paper like maybe you're building a business plan maybe you need to plan a holiday you need to do some forward thinking and that is important there's a time and a place to set to do that forward thinking but there's so much of our life that would be so much more valuable if we actually were just present And I will say it one more time because I know I've already harped on it, but the best way to build connection with people is to let them feel seen and heard. And when we are lost in our own minds, telling little stories or, or letting our, or even making to-do lists, you know, like you're talking to your partner and you're too busy being like, I need to drop off the dry cleaning and I got to do all these things. Like whether they, whether you mean to or not, they're going to tell that you're not fully engaged in the conversation that you're having with them. And that's, that's hard. Like people want to feel seen and heard. And so I think when you can learn to be present and like I said, learn to be still deal with what's in front of you, be in the moment. Like a lot of this extra anxiety will literally just melt away because you're, you're in the moment, which is the only place that we really can be.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. I, I do like, those teachings about being present, like especially Eckhart Tolle and maybe other spiritual teachers too. And the way that I see it is it's not something that's airy fairy that, you know, you need to sit with your legs crossed and close your eyes to to be able to understand It's it's really just such a basic thing that is often overlooked. But I found that being present is like the key actually, you know, to being joyful and, happy and abundant because like you mentioned um yeah when you focus on things that haven't even happened yet most of the time they're not going to happen anyway because they're fears Mm -hmm. if you if you were if if it's the other way like because you know you can focus on good things that that haven't happened yet and that's maybe the law of attraction right so that's that's a decent thing to do i mean if you're not going to live in the present moment at least focus on something positive right (laughs) um but the moment it becomes negative is like okay you're it's your fight or flight and your survival mechanism kicking in. Um, I, I I feel like there's a number of people that I follow who are doing similar uh, that have similar movements toward helping us, not just children, but in general humans, kind of get through this difficult period of time where we're, you know, maybe just really lost. I think we're really lost right now. You know, if you look at the, you look at the the ancient Greek philosophers, I mean, they really have some very powerful lessons to teach. And then if you look, if you look around today, I'm not really sure if there's that many people who (laughs) you could say, Oh yeah, this guy's a really great, this guy's got, got such a, a, a fantastic message to share. There are, though. I mean, there are. I'm, all, all I'm trying to say is even back then, before the internet, before, yeah. you know, they they were really, they had focused on the most important foundations and they knew what they were doing. And I think any ancient civilization has wisdom. I think we're at a period of time now where we're really lost. And we just need this good information, yeah. and these good teachers to help us through. So, like, I was just, just going to say that I think there are people like Jason Wilson. I don't know if you know that man. He's a a, uh, a religious, uh, actually a religious martial arts teacher, but he works with young boys. Uh, and he teaches them vulnerability, mm-hmm. but in a masculine way. And he had a book authored recently, I think it was a couple of years ago now actually, called Cry Like a Man. And it was a big success. And it's really groundbreaking because As you know, men are not supposed to cry, Um, but we do because we're human and we need to because we're human, but we're taught not to. So it's it's these kinds of lessons that make you kind of stand back and go, oh my gosh, like now now I feel like it's okay to be human. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, now I feel like I don't have to feel guilty about being, you know, that part of me that comes out now and again and um and 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 so you know the spectrum is all i was what the point i was trying to make was the the spectrum of the kind of teachings that we can offer in terms of mental health is is quite what is quite broad and wide but essentially we're dealing with the same thing which is like how do we think of ourselves how do we feel on a moment-to-moment basis how do we manage the obstacles the emotional psychological obstacles that are presented to us. And it's going to make us a much better civilization because of it. If we can just learn, you know, if we can just, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like, um, I'm going to talk about my little hack that I have, cause you were referring to sort of negative thinking. And, and then we are also talking about the positive thinking and, and the value of that, like predicting the future or thinking about just in general, thinking in positive ways. And I hit this point where it sounds silly, but I'm like, when you realize that Like there is almost no reality, like there's no true reality that you can create whatever reality you want to make for yourself. And so for me, I started realizing that when somebody cut me off in traffic, what before might've been like my initial gut to be like, Oh, that guy's a jerk. I'm like, I can actually think of it as like, Oh, maybe he's running home to his wife who's in labor. And you know what? I could be right. I could be wrong. I have no reason, no no way to know why he needs to be somewhere very quickly, but I can give him the benefit of the doubt and that will make me feel better because it, it's no, like it's neither here nor there. I will never know the answer to that story anyway. And I think the same thing when I deal with a cashier who's really grouchy and I just think to myself like, oh, maybe they've got something going on at home that like, maybe maybe they're dealing with cancer treatments and this is just too hard. Um, which isn't a positive thought, but it's an opportunity for me to give a lot more kindness than to respond in a way that might be, um, through anger or like, if they're going to be a jerk to me, I'm going to be a jerk to them. And I just always think, you know what, they've got something else going on and I'm going to just be here and be kind because that's going to make me feel better I don't know their story. And the bottom line, is we never know anybody's story. So I think when we can, just to give that sort of grace, but to get in the habit of just picking something more positive and and then letting it go. Like it doesn't, you know, don't need to linger on it. I'm just saying something happens quickly. I just say to myself something, give myself a a positive lens on it. And then I move past it. Um, And that had been when I realized that I was like, yeah, I don't need to ruminate in these negative versions. I can just look form a more positive angle, and and give a, like a version that allows me to um, express kindness because I always feel better when I'm kind to people, and mm. so it's a little habit that takes some time to get into. And it, you can make it playful, like have as much fun as you want with it. Because, like I said, we're gonna have all these thoughts anyway. You might as well just start trying to 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 stack them up in a way that's positive, right? Because the more positive thoughts you have, the, the happier you're gonna be, and so. Yeah, that's my that's my recommendation as far as yeah. like a no, I, quick I hack like it a when lot. You're in the moment, just to pick something more positive.
0: Yeah. And it's not something like you said, you can learn, you can actually start executing that behavior change in well, maybe you could, I don't know, actually. But I think more realistically, it's probably gonna be a a a matter of time of just consistency and and pushing yourself to, you know, I I come from a historically I was pretty negative. I mean I I would I would complain a lot actually when I was much younger. And I'm not sure what changed for me. I think I think it was a paradigm shift and you've heard that before. It's kind of like yeah. a cliché term to use, but really what it means is something was introduced to me at the right time. And it clicked for me and I started to see things differently. And that was my paradigm shift. And my girlfriend at the time was heavily into personal development. And she kind of helped me break out of my previous mindsets, which were negative and kind of a little bit destructive as well. Um, but it wasn't something that happened overnight. It, it was something that took me. It even till today, it's taken me all that time to like, and I'm, I don't think I'll ever end because it's, you know, it's not something you master, I suppose, unless you're enlightened, like uh, maybe the Dalai Lama or someone. But um, yeah, it is. So it, you just have to be willing. I think to. To work on yourself and know that it's almost like an investment in the stock market you know you just you put some money in and it kind of compounds over time and if you keep putting more money in it'll keep compounding and it does it really does compound it's it's amazing how much more out of life you can get when you don't close your mind to uh when you don't close yourself down just because of how you feel emotions are a funny thing i mean i I I genuinely believe, you know, before the the age of language, perhaps Mm -hmm. we we didn't have. I genuinely believe we were probably a lot happier, even though our life expectancy was much lower, and maybe we were going to be eaten by a lion. But I I think a lot of our (laughs) different
1: problems,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? I think a lot of our uh, think about a lot of our torture is self-driven. We, oh, yeah. we, we, we live in a, in a, in a constant cycle of just suffering because of the thoughts that we have, not because of anything else. And when you realize that you're like, oh, uh, well, the good news is I, I can change it. I can do something about it. You know?
1: Uh, so. Absolutely. I mean, it's work. And I think that that's, I love what you said about, um, it being like slow gains because, I will hundred percent say like, this has been a journey and I will admit it, admit it time and time again, that like, I have to actively participate in this process. And yeah, there's going to be some weeks where I'm not at my best and I'm not doing everything. Um, I do have like a wide range of tools that I use. And, but I'll also say that like, start small. Cause if this is some if, if everything you and I have been talking about so far sounds foreign to you, um, as a listener, like you don't have to do it all at once. It's like, just, Just try to start being more mindful of when you're seeing negative thought patterns and ask yourself if you can think about it in a different way. Um, That alone, just getting in the habit of doing that on a regular basis, like you'll do it more and more as you start to see positive outcomes from shifting your thinking. What kind of Um, things do
0: you do on a daily that you think help you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I will. And I know this is a luxury, so I know parents don't always get this luxury, but I really prioritize sleep because I will tell you one thing for sure. If I haven't had enough sleep, my thought patterns are like, I can see the difference. Um, I'm just more negative. I'm more anxious. I'm I'm just all around. My whole body is more stressed. So I know a good night's sleep is really important. And I will prioritize that over a lot of different things because I'm like, you know, I'm not the kind of person's like, I'll just watch one more episode of Netflix. Like I will shut her down because I know I need a good night's sleep because then I'll be able to have my best kind of thinking. And so that's a big one for me. I try to, and I have been really good about getting out for a walk at the bare minimum once a day, just to get outside, change your perspective, especially with what's been going on with the pandemic. Like we need to get out of our houses and we need to move our bodies. Like this is, we are too stagnant and this is super important to keep your mental health in, in its best shape. And so I, I love to go in the morning for at least a half an hour walk. And I love to put like a positive podcast in so that I'm learning while I'm walking. And I always feel like when I have listened to something really interesting and I'm starting my day off that way that I'm like, Oh, like I've kind of got like a different headspace as I start my day. So that's Mm -hmm. a big one. I will admit meditation is one that I aspire to do every morning, but I'm not always, I don't always do it. I think a lot of people struggle with that. But I also think that meditation, as you were saying, doesn't need to always be in that form. Like, I mean, meditation in the traditional sense of, you know, like 10 minutes of really trying to do mindful thinking. But I also feel like when I get out for a walk or even just take a few minutes to take a deep breath in the middle of my day, I count those as little mindful moments as well. And so, whatever works for you that makes you give yourself a little bit of space and distance from just like the chaos of a regular <laughs> world, I yeah. think is, um, a benefit. And I just, yeah, I think there's lots of things I we've already talked about. Like I'm constantly challenging my negative self-talk and being like, that's, that's just garbage. So <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. stopping that. Um, and then I do try again, this is one of those ones where I think I actively do it every day, but how I do it varies, but a gratitude sort of journal air quote journal I don't necessarily write it down but I do try to make a moment um, take some time every day just to be like I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for that because I think it's important to recognize what you do have Um, and I think especially in this past year it's been very easy to feel like thinking about all the things you don't have but there's so much that we do have and no matter no matter what and I I know um, a lot of people have had a lot of hard times so I respect that and this has been a hard year for so many, and there's been a lot of loss. Um, but as somebody who has, has personally lost her father in her when I was just 30, um, I've been able to find ways to be not grateful for that in a, in a interesting way where I recognize and um, appreciate all the moments that we did have. And so I think there's always ways, even in the darkest of times to find a positive way to look at things. Um, in my mind, it, my dad's passing reminded me of how life is short and that I need to live it to its full capacity for me and that I won't sort of put things off that I I want because like chasing dreams or trips um, just because you just never know. And mm-hmm. so um, I take those sort of benefits with me um, on a regular basis. But those are some of the main ones that I do just to keep myself in check like I said, it's a, it's a toolkit. And I'm like, everybody has a different set of tools that they like to use. Um, these are the ones that I find have really worked for me, but what about you? Like, what do you do to sort of keep yourself in, in your best as your best self? No,
0: It's a, yeah, actually a lot of what you said, I also do or try to do. I wasn't always a morning person. I was a night owl a lot. And, um, Basically, uh, that doesn't work very well for 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 most people. Actually, I I don't really think I think you can be a night owl and that's fine. But I think if you really want to be productive, you can't be a night owl because your body's built a certain way to operate within the 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 night day cycles the circadian rhythm and it works best that right. way because of the way that your hormones get released and all of that stuff. So I would say it's fine being a night owl person, but if you really want to like be a you know productive person, then maybe, you know, you can re reassess that. Uh, so I would binge watch Netflix. <laughs> I would totally <laughs> binge watch Netflix. And I, the tr- thing was, I was always telling myself, look, it's fine. It's just, you're gonna be able to recover tomorrow. And I think that was true to a certain age, but when you get over, you know, the 35 barrier, um, and I'm, I, I I think age is, is a number first and foremost, but really I can't do those things anymore. I don't like it. I don't feel good the next day. So um, I decided to be a lot more structured. Uh, so right. I decided to get a, a, a routine, I purchased the five-minute journal, which is a great I love that. journal. Yeah,
1: I have that too.
0: Yes. And uh, and I've been using that along with Brendan Burchard's High Performance Planner as well. Oh, and I
1: haven't seen that one.
0: Brendan Burchard did a book. He wrote a book called High Performance Habits. And it's like a partner product to this journal which is genius because he's going to sell a lot of uh, journals but they're actually pretty good you know they're more professionally oriented so you write down your top three goals for the day you write down who you need to lead well um, and more of those kind of professional oriented things and then on the other side with the gratitude journal which is a five-minute journal it really is just gratitude mostly it's like as you know um what how do you want your day to be how, what 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 feelings do you want to feel um what would make today great and and stuff like that so th- those things uh, i i use to to always remember what's most important to me uh, every single day just keep keep in your head because it's so easy to forget right uh have think of all the things that we have picks? to remember
1: Sorry, Jim Quick's quote, the most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. <laughs> anyway, I thought it right. was
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's I always a good giggle one. about that one, but I'm like, it's true. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so true. And um, ah, that's a good one. I'm gonna remember that. Yes, yes, it it's easy to forget the most important thing because there's so much going on. Uh, especially if you've got like, you know, children running around the house. And even more if you're a single mother and you've got children running around the house, how are you going to manage all of this? Well, I think a great way to do it is to get structure as much as possible. Um, And it takes discipline and it takes consistency and it takes effort, but it's like pushing a rock up a hill. You get to the top and it gets a lot easier and then you can push it down. It, It should roll by itself. And I think it got to the point now where a lot of the things that I've really struggled with in the past kind of roll by themselves. So they're autopilot now. And that's where you want to be, you know, not just in a personal like we always kind of say, oh, I'd love to have an automated business with passive income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. sure. Everyone (laughs) would love to have that. What about an automated uh, positive mindset? which just has a passive positivity that that's a great thing to also try to achieve. Right. Totally. Yeah. But the other things too, I, I, I read a lot of uh, self-help books Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because I'm always fascinated to know what other people think about how to optimize. And you could call me an overachiever in the sense that I'm just a little, it's a little bit weird that I do that that much. Like, you and I perhaps are overachievers in that sense where we just want to, we want to know the best way to do things constantly.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Whereas maybe other people are content and that's totally fine. Uh, So I am aware that it's probably not normal to do that much investigation into things, but I, I just always want to be at the top of my game. um, And I, I think that stems from my childhood, funnily enough, now that we're coming full circle. yeah. My childhood is the the identity I built around myself was that I wasn't good enough. That was who, that's the identity. So I was shy. I was a shy kid. I was a shy teenager, even though I was quite talented in many ways and I had a nice character. I was very easy to get along with, very agreeable, too agreeable. Mm
2: -hmm. And I
0: didn't solve that until much later in life. So, I never really got everything I wanted because I wasn't able to have confrontations with people because I was too agreeable. Um, But yeah, so I've always been driven in this very strange way. And I think that that's manifested in well, how can I just be the best I can be at everything? Everything. Um, And um, maybe, you know, maybe it had a negative impact on me because I would hold myself, it would, I would hold myself too accountable, but then I think it also benefited in many ways too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very strange, strange story with me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel some synergies in my life story of being, you know, growing up shy and and not liking confrontation. Um, I remember it was earlier in my career. I want to say I was probably about, um, I don't know, 26 or so, but I read um Difficult, difficult Conversations. It's part of the Harvard, Harvard Business Review book series. And it just, it was like a light switch had been flipped where I suddenly realized that like how you approach a, a difficult conversation, knowing that like your outcome is that you want to get to some level of alignment, right? Um, Or some outcome of agree, you're going to get to it an outcome essentially is what it is and so I just remember having kind of never been able to see it in that lens of like this is a proactive step towards like mending or um, building or growing a relationship and so I found that book really helpful because I was like you and like I didn't I didn't like confrontation didn't really know how to approach it and I love what you said about like yeah I'm kind of like a hungry hippo when it comes to like just learning and growing and and adapting these skill sets and taking sort of the best practices of all these brilliant minds that are sharing stuff. I mean, I, I've read all of Brené Brown's books and I've got them on audiobook and like, I listened to all her podcasts. She's one of my favorites as far as when it comes to like vulnerability and and expression um, because I do think there's so much work to be done on that. And I love everything she does about wholehearted living and all of that stuff. But I think it's just like the more curious you are about how you Mm. can I want to say level up, but um, how you can just live a better life. I'm like, there's so many pearls of wisdom in all these works that, and I I will say that they're great works, but you have to do the work mm-hmm. alongside. Yeah, you have to do the work. These are Absolutely. the work books that are alongside some of these books that are super powerful, but sometimes as concepts until you actually put it sort of put it into that's uh, the thing. I think there's all you land- of your own landscape. Um, it it doesn't make a difference, and I know. um, I always, I can't get on a podcast and not talk about the four agreements, but that book was transformational for me. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but it is a must read in my mind as far as how you can shift your thinking around um, taking things personally. So one of the, one of the the four agreements, um, the book is by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, and he talks about don't take anything personally. And I just, that concept when you put it into practice and like keep it top of mind will change your whole world because we automatically jump so often to thinking that something's about us when it's got nothing to do with us and so I think if you are trying to find ways coming back to the idea of negative thinking or thoughts if you are trying to find ways to reduce those ongoing negative stories that you produce in your mind um, the four agreements is a brilliant resource to read I read it, I've read it over and over again. I love how like, depending on where I'm at in my life, it'll have different meaning, which is what's so powerful about so many of these books is that you're able to take the contextual lesson from the book and apply it to what's going on in your world in, the, in real time and then sort of build off of it. And so it's, yeah, it's a brilliant book. Um, but it, we so commonly mistake other people's behavior as being something about us when it's just got nothing to do with us.
0: Uh, Yeah. uh, It's something that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, which was that you, when you bump into like a teller or anyone who's having that, you know, weird behavior, it's, you just like to think of it as if, oh, something maybe happened to them. Maybe they're going through some trauma or uh, personal grievances or whatever. And I I think that's exactly correct. I think it's, it's almost always the case. I don't Um, believe people go out there to make you feel bad. They go out there because they feel bad and then you end up feeling bad because they're projecting that. They need to, you know, make it clear. Uh, and, and I haven't read The Four Agreements. I had a oh, guest who talks highly of it. So now I've got to read it. <laughs> Otherwise this is just, uh, you know, ignorance. So I'm gonna definitely read the book now, but uh, that's, that's, that's a very powerful piece of advice. If you think about all of the energy and the time and the i guess yeah the energy and the time that's spent on feeling bad about something that never actually really happened <laughs>
1: it's it is wild it is one of the most bizarre things that us human creatures do that we just spend so much time um making things about ourselves that just aren't and and just thinking thoughts that just aren't true so I just hope we can work towards doing that less. I mean, I yeah. know it's human nature for us. There's a whole negativity bias piece that's at play, so I get it. Like some of this is not our fault, but do what we can to shift the lens to recognize when we're we're telling like we're seeing something through um, a negative lens and recognize that we can just look at it a different way.
0: You know, who we, needs you all only these have books.
1: one life? So you know, just I mean, as long as we know, maybe maybe we have more, but we might as well do the best we can with the, <laughs> the one we're in right now.
0: That's it. Uh, one of my friends passed away. Just, um, I recorded an episode with her actually, uh, episode 17. And, uh, a few days later she passed away and I I just, I still can't believe it. It was just last week. And, uh, yeah, it's, you're talking about your father. I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. And you never know when it's going to happen. So it kind of, just puts you in a different mindset where you're like, well, okay. um, What am I going to do with my life? If I'm going to die tomorrow, how am I going to live today? Kind of thing. It's really important. I'm probably going to go to the beach after this, because of what you said about you get up in the mornings and you go for a walk. It's really important because we're, you know, we're disconnected now because of COVID. I agree with you. It's beautiful day outside. I should do it. What have I got to lose? Um, It's these kinds of things that happen in life and it just brings you back to what's, really important, like Jim Quick, the most important thing is the most important thing to remember or something like that. Uh, So, um, yeah, yeah, it's very, it's essential that we do think about these things. We don't have to be obsessive about them like me, (laughs) but we do have to think about them. And I, that's the plan. The plan of this podcast is just to bring it into everyone's morning walk, you know, um, while mm-hmm. they're doing something else and hopefully like you know share some of that wisdom from you and other guests uh to to the, the audience um but uh going back to your book um was it's it's curious to me how is writing a children's book you know like i i would imagine you know you 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 probably don't read that many children's books given you're not a child. So how was not. that? What was the process like for you actually creating this? And did you find any challenges along with it? Did you have to research? Did you have to um think? Yeah, out of the I had
1: to do quite a bit of research. Um, a standard kids book is 32 pages. And so I think that was one of the ones that I had to the you referenced this already. It's a bit of a poem, so it's a rhyming scheme um, poem. And and I needed to um, I wasn't about to just add extra stuff, because I felt like the body of work said what I needed to say. But what was a beautiful surprise was that because the standard kids book is 32 pages, I was able to add these worksheets in the back, which I think is a somewhat unconventional towards how a normal children's book story is. And so, again, by by writing my own book and, and choosing I actually self published by choosing that option, I was able to sort of say, well, I don't I don't care how it's normally done. Like, this is what I would like to do. And this is how I think it'll be most valuable. And so um, I think that part was interesting, because I I wouldn't have known that. And I, I'm actually thankful, because I don't know that I would have jumped to that conclusion. Initially, I think I knew that there was going to have to be supplemental pieces, but I probably I may have kept them external to the book, they might have been, like you said, a, a complimentary workbook you could buy, or maybe it would, I do have free worksheets on my website. So a lot of the activities that are in the book are actually for free and accessible to any parent who wants to check it out at a Um, But I did want to make it practical because like I said, it was a lofty concept and I'm fully aware that it's a hard, um, it's a hard idea to break down and, and I wanted to just do what I could could. And I know you referenced the illustrations a bit, but I'll just talk for people who haven't seen the book, that um, the way that I illustrated thoughts are as these sort of balls that look like gobstoppers. And part of that notion was that I often feel like one thought, that's almost like a drop in the bucket. When you have one thought, it can often ripple out into all of these other thoughts. And so I wanted to reflect that we have, I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of thoughts every day. And so what I wanted to show is that like each thought has, can even that have within that, like a a layer, a burst of different thoughts that come alongside it. And so how I wanted to illustrate the character um, going through their emotional states was that when they are overwhelmed, and then when there are many, many thoughts that are racing through their minds, that they're they're overcome by these thoughts, and so you'll see it in the illustrations that, for example, there's a scene where the character is running down a, a hill, and there's an avalanche of thoughts um, coming after the character, and so I just really wanted to be able to show what that looked like from that state of sort of chaos and overwhelm into the state of calm and stillness, where at in the, in the main refrain of a thought is a thought. It's not me. It's just not the character is confidently holding one thought in their hand because we're never going to, we all know, you're never going to get rid of all your thoughts. And Mm -hmm. the best we can do is sort of just slow them down um, so that we don't have them all bombarding all at once. But I just wanted to make it clear again, that like thoughts are things. So that it was external to the characters um, and their body, but that we can with a little bit of mindfulness and a little bit of care that we can reduce How much is going on when we get calm and still, and that could be Mm -hmm. done through breath work, which is also included in the back of the book of just teaching kids how to go through this. And that um, breath work exercise was provided by my cousin, who is actually a child therapist. So a lot of this stuff was vetted and and taken through um, through the right channels, because, again, this is a big idea. I wanted to make sure that it was helpful to parents was a resource they could use. And I've actually been given some feedback that it's, um, it's basically an early introduction to cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. and that this is something that is accessible for parents who might be waiting to get in with child therapists and don't have that as a resource right now. And I think child anxiety is on the rise right now, which is no surprise. I mean, their whole worlds have been flipped upside down this past year. And I know kids are very resilient, but um, it's a lot for them to all process. And as I said, household stress can be, um, absorbed throughout the whole, whole family unit. And so I just hope everybody, um, is anybody who wants to use it as a tool can help reduce their own negative thinking, um, top down up, (laughs) bottom up, like, however you look at it, I think it's good for any age. Um, I really, it was funny. I have been asked to put a number on it and I, I do have to sort of say it's for like six to eight, but I really truly believe it's like, up to a hundred, you know, until, till the day you're not breathing, I think we can be reminded that thoughts are just thoughts and that we, Mm. we need to let them go when they're not serving us.
0: It's a lovely book. It really is. You did a great job with it. I think kids are going to love this book. I'm sure they already are. Uh, It's so easy to read and it's very visual. So it's easy to grasp the concepts as well. And I love the exercises in it, the breathing exercise, the kind of counting exercises and things like that. It's just it's a really well thought out book, so I think he did a great job. Any ideas what you're going to do next with? with this
1: <laughs> um, I mean, book? I've talked about doing a series with this book because I do think um, we'll see. It's to be to be determined, but I think there's an opportunity to continue blowing this concept out. I mean, as I said, um, thoughts become sort of emotions, and emotions become behaviors, and and there's that cycle that we need to be really conscious of, and um, I could probably dig into that a little deeper.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a great idea. I think it would, it would be a good series to have definitely. Um, but how do people get the book and how do people get in touch with you if they want to, uh, yeah. talk to you about this as well?
1: So they can find my book, um, at a thought of the thought.com. Or um, it's also, the book is called A Thought as a Thought, and I am Nikki Hedstrom, and you can find it on Amazon, you can find it Barnes and Noble, um, if you're Canadian, which my audience might be, um, is, you can get it at Indigo, but yeah, I, if you search A Thought as a Thought, wherever country you're in, you're more than likely to be able to find access to it. Um, I also am on Instagram, so if you want to follow me, Nikki Hedstrom, it's... Um, I'm sure we can include this in the show notes, but you can find me at Nikki Headstrom. And I also have a, a handle dedicated on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest towards a thought is a thought. So again, it's just at a thought is a thought. Um, so yeah, I hope hope this helps people just recognize when they're having those negative thoughts to look for more positive ones. I think we can all be a little happier if we can learn how to battle that a little bit stronger, flex that positivity muscle, <laughs> work yeah. towards the positivity well. lens.
0: I recommend it to anyone. I think, you know, adults alike, it's a good book to read. It's a good reminder. Uh, So, so yeah, good job. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really love talking with you. We talked about a lot of really important things.